0: Oi, hey there. Welcome back to my podcast. I am Camilla, your high vibe advocate. Give me fifteen minutes and I will give you a high vibe world. Humans are pack animals, and as such, we tend to not only want, but to need leaders. They motivate us to go places that we would never otherwise go. That need to, quote-unquote, follow, if you will, or to be inspired, or to aspire to be something bigger than ourselves, often turns into idolization of another individual especially in the recent years with the rise of technology and social media we have all gained access uh, to the the private lives you know to the world of millions of strangers who seem to have it all together and these strangers feel like a hybrid between the unattainable celebrity status and our ordinary friends something that we could maybe become you know something relatable and attainable sounds pretty great actually it's like the best of both worlds but you see all humans have the ability to obsess and with that the ability to blindly follow and trust completely anything that they put on a pedestal you know like something that somebody that you idolize says sometimes goes unchecked you just trust them a hundred percent and you take that as the truth and that's dangerous That's where the danger lies when it comes to idols and leaders or anyone that we perceive as perfect or at least better than other people. As young children, our first role models are usually our parents, and it takes years for us to see them as people with frailties, you know, despite their impressive qualities. Adolescents and young adults form relationships with admired mentors at school or at work, and then they often idolize their mentor until the the realization sets in that despite some exceptional talents, this role model is also just an ordinary person with an attendant of faults. And um, accepting our parents and mentors and ourselves as worthy but flawed can at times be challenging. And that's why we tend to Have idols, you know, and not just mentors. And the issue is, flaws are a natural and expected part of humanity. And to refuse to see flaws simply because we want to validate our own made up idea of someone that we now worship, or worse, just because we need to validate the highlight real version of themselves that they put out there, can have serious ramifications. We admire and idolize and worship people because we consider them as important or powerful or famous, and because a great number of other people know about them. These people appear on the various media outlets, which allows us to peek into their lives. They seem to have a different and more interesting lifestyle than ours, or to handle problems better than we know how, or at least the media makes us think that way. There is a subconscious desire in the human race to idolize anything that seems better and greater and richer and well-known or powerful, There is a tendency to worship anything that seems glamorous, fascinating, and powerful. There's also the issue of validation because idols tend to validate our own thoughts and opinions and perspectives. And unfortunately, a lot of our thoughts, opinions, and perspectives are not right. And what we need is a mentor to coach us out of our distorted views or bad habits and bad behavior. And when certain people appear Often on, you know, the screen of our TV or on our smartphones, we feel an affinity to them. We become like close friends with them, or at least we feel like that. We feel like, you know, as if they visit us every day and we are, you know, a part of their lives and they're a part of our lives and we begin to like them. And then we adore and admire them. And we start to feel like we know everything about them and that everything we see is everything there is to see and to know about them. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We need to remember that celebrities are ordinary people, just like you and me. They eat and drink and sleep. They go to the bathroom. They burp and they fart. (laughs) They pick their noses. They at times look horrible. And they think and they feel just like everybody else. And the only difference between you and them is that they appear on the media, you know, on the media screens. You might be just as rich or just as smart or just as successful as they are, or maybe even more so. And the difference is that they are famous and you're not. And basically, they grabbed onto a good opportunity to be placed in the spotlight. And now lots of people know about them, you know, just like you do. But that does not make them invincible or perfect or free from ordinary feelings and problems. They have the same feelings and thoughts and desires as you and me. They have their problems and worries, and sometimes their real life might not seem or even be as glamorous as we see on TV. And that's actually usually a huge source of anxiety for them. You know, they have this fear that they will disappoint you when you see them up close and when you know too much about them. Being put in a pedestal is not a good feeling because it's impossible to live up to the high standards that someone else set for you. And if you are in that position and you're listening, obviously you have to remember that you are not responsible for the version of you that someone else created in their head. And the truth is, they probably will disappoint you but only because you have created unrealistic expectations about them. And those unrealistic expectations you have created about them are dangerous because now you think that it's possible to be something that simply is not possible to become. And I'm not talking just about looks. I'm also talking about mental strength and parental skills and patience and balance in life and cleanliness in the home and organization and charitability and kindness and morals. For instance, Take some of the world's most famous peacemakers, revolutionaries, and humanitarians. Let me give you some examples, okay? Take Gandhi, for instance. He is known for being a peaceful protester, the father of India, and a revolutionary liberator. In fact, he liberated India from British colonialism in 1947, but he was super racist (laughs) for at least much of his adulthood. He constantly used our equivalent of the N-word and said that black people were no better than savages. He thought that whites were the superior race. His protests in South Africa against whites were simply over the fact that he felt that since Indians were lighter skinned than blacks, they should be treated better by whites than the blacks were but certainly not as, why, not as well as whites. And he also wrote a few dear friend letters to Adolf Hitler. Yep, when Gandhi wrote to Hitler, You know, at least twice in 1939, 1940, he did so to call for peace. And yes, Gandhi was, by all accounts, an impossibly kind and gracious person who might address everyone as a friend. But nevertheless, it's quite something to see in the 20th century, most, you know, revered figures, you know, writing dear friend letters to the century's greatest monster. And then you add things like, you know, things that that he said to him like we have no doubt about your bravery your devotion to your fatherland not nor do we believe that you are the monster described by your opponents no he was worse than that Adolf hitler was worse than anything that was ever described and gandhi didn't see it that way he also was fond of Mussolini. and in 1931 after meeting him he called him one of the greatest statesmen of our time and went on to write a letter to a friend of his saying that many of his reforms attracted him He was ridiculously mean to his wife. And once he said that she was so dumb that he couldn't care to look at her face. Uh, And in 1944, she got pneumonia and he denied her penicillin because it was against his beliefs. He was against medication and she died from that. But then when he got sick with malaria, he changed his mind and took drugs to save his own life. Gandhi was also homophobic and he erased all traces of Indian LGBT stuff you know from indian temples in the name of quote-unquote sexual cleansing but then he low-key fell in love with a guy named herman kellenbach and wrote letters to him that read how completely you have taken possession of my body this is slavery with a vengeance and then he left his wife on her deathbed to go hang out with this guy he was also a big proponent of celibacy But he kept young girls with him, like really young. I'm talking like five or six-year-old girls at all times. And he would bathe with them nude and sleep with them naked and get nude massages from them to quote-unquote test himself. When he was 77, he required his own 18-year-old grandniece named Manu to sleep with him, as well as Abba, the 18-year-old wife of his grandnephew. He required both boys and girls to bathe together and sleep together. And if they succumbed to temptation, he would punish them. But then he wouldn't allow husbands and wives to sleep together. And he was so shockingly sexist that he thought women that use contraceptives were promiscuous and that women were responsible for their own sexual assaults. He also believed that fathers should kill their daughters if their daughters had been raped in order to preserve the family honor. And he even cut the hair of two of his female followers because they were being harassed by men. And he did it in order to get the men to stop harassing them because he felt that by making them less appealing to those men, that's how you know, the problem would be solved. And of course, let's talk about John Lennon, another idolized person who many people love to love. You know, Many people see him as some divine guru of love and peace and a political activist, but he couldn't be further from that. He had a wife named Cynthia uh, on whom he would cheat all the time and manipulate, and treat like shit, and they had a kid named Julian, um, that he was extremely mean to, like, for instance, if Julian had a bad, you know, if he had bad table manners, then he would scream and slap Julian, if Julian fell out of line, then he would slap him up, and, you know, listen, I'm not one of the people out there that judges anyone's parenting strategy, especially since I don't have any kids. And I feel like the newer generation probably has lacked a lot of discipline. But the issue that I have here is that he later on got Yoko Ono pregnant and he had a kid with her named Sean that he never treated as badly or as, you know, as strictly as he treated Julian. You know, he never had the same short fuse parental, parental strategy with, with Sean that he did with Julian. Um, and this type of parental treatment disparity, I have a huge problem with. And he also denied that Julian was his own son for years and he didn't want to give him any money. He didn't even want to put him in his will. But he was like a perfect father to Sean. He would also fly into a rage and beat people up all the time, including his wives. And he even admitted that he had a problem and he explained that most violent people usually preach peace, which is very scary. Another example of one of these idolized peaceful people or, you know, holier-than-thou people, is Mother Teresa. You know, she allegedly misused funds that were meant for the poor, and she didn't provide adequate medical care for them. And she apparently used to love hanging out with dictators. But, I mean, I, I just feel like if we look closely at anyone, we will see that everyone has skeletons in their closet. That's just how it is. Humans are not perfect, so we should not assume that they are, and we should not blindly follow or idolize anyone. It creates unrealistic expectations for yourself and for the world as a whole, and it causes us to treat people unevenly, giving the people who we think can do no wrong a pass while overly punishing others for the same or less offensive acts. I mean, we are in a whole world of hypocrites, and that is part of our biggest problem, because then people... They hold the power over you. They know your quote-unquote skeletons and secrets and they, they manipulate you into doing what they want because you are trying to save face with, this, with society because you created standards, false standards, false hopes, unrealistic expectations that nobody can follow, including yourself. Isn't that terrible? I mean, politicians do that all the time. That's why it's better to have mentors, you know, just real-life people that we don't idolize but that we admire and that will teach us the ropes, you know, they'll provide us with guidance that we need to reach our full potential on at least some aspect of our life, you know, like our career or spirituality, you know, whatever it is, and who will give us tough love and a reality check when we need it. Because our bad habits shouldn't be enabled, just like we should not be enabling the bad habits of anybody else. And that is all we have for today. Thank you